This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Here is your guest host, Jane Brown. And by the way, if you did not get in on that hot topic, immigration, I invite you to call back tomorrow for free for all Friday. When you set the agenda, you decide the topics. For now on Fight Back, we're talking about osteoporosis or low bone mass. It can lead to bones becoming more fragile and an increased risk of fracture. It's often associated with aging, but is a disease that can affect men and women of any age. Jaspreet Dhaliwal of the Ontario Pharmacists Association is in studio with me now to answer your questions about osteoporosis and tell us how your pharmacist can help with the prevention and management of this condition. Jaspreet, welcome. Thank you so much. Let me uh, just quickly give out the numbers because you want to get a line reserved here so you can ask your question, primarily about bone health or any questions related to pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical questions or, or medical questions you may have for Jaspreet. As you know, these days, you can pretty much ask your pharmacist anything. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. So let's get to the basics about osteoporosis and uh, what qualifies a person to have osteoporosis? What is the condition? So the condition is really just when your bones become really thin and break easily and that has to do with the density in your bone, your bone density. Um, What qualifies a patient as having osteoporosis is actually based on a test that your doctor will do and that's called, they look at your T-score, which is basically they're comparing you to everybody in the population and saying well, do you have the appropriate density that you should for somebody at your age or are you way off the charts? And based on that, they'll classify you as either having osteoporosis, meaning that you don't have enough of the bone density, or osteopenia, meaning you're somewhere in between really good bone health and not so good bone health. Um, And in that case, we usually don't treat those patients. We usually um, provide lifestyle modifications, ask them to take supplements that increase their vitamin D and calcium intake. And this primarily affects women, I mean, more so than men. Yeah, so unfortunately, we have this working against us with uh, women. It is uh, more common in women. I'd say one in four women will probably have osteoporosis where one in eight men will likely have osteoporosis. Now, is it caused by um, uh, improper diet, lack of exercise? Can it be genetic? Well, it's yes, certainly those are the risk factors. But the reason women get it is after menopause, we lose a lot of the protective effects of the estrogens in our body that would help maintain our bone density. So that's why you see it more commonly. Men luckily continue to keep that protection. Women 
unfortunately don't. But yes, all those other risk factors that you discuss. So as you get older, sometimes race has uh, something to do with it as well. So we find that patients from Asian descent and uh, some some people of white and Asian descent seem to have a higher risk of it. Uh, small petite frames, if you have a family history of it, somebody in your family had it, then there's a, there's a chance that you might have it as well. Sometimes, so when we say primarily, so we have two ways of kind of saying it. You have primary osteoporosis, meaning typically, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it. You got it because of your genes and you got it because, well, you're female and, you know, you're after menopause, this is what happened. And then there's secondary osteoporosis as well, which is causative, meaning that there's something that's caused it possibly to happen. And that could be medication sometimes that can induce osteoporosis. So if you're using steroids for a long time, for example, sometimes those patients will develop osteoporosis as well um, as well as you know um, you know the it- if you, we always advocate healthy diet with everything, but um, there is certainly some association with caffeine and alcohol as well in making it worse, for sure. And it, it will break down the density in your bones, make them thinner. It'll make it thinner, yeah. So alcohol will affect the way that the bodies will, uh, well, the way that the density of, the, yeah, both will affect the density of the bone. I don't want to get too technical mm-hmm. in terms of the actual processes and stuff, but generally we say, limit alcohol intake to no more than two drinks uh, a day um, and also for caffeine limit that as well. Is it possible to reverse osteoporosis? And I ask this question because that has been my particular case. I was uh, diagnosed with just slight osteoporosis. And the last time I went back to see my bone doctor at Toronto Western, she said, good news, you're now out of the osteoporosis zone. Yeah, so that's fantastic. <laughs> it is fantastic. I was really that's surprised. That's great for you. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that we can do in terms of lifestyle and stuff, but I don't want to deter patients from the idea that, you know, there, it, it is a treatable condition. And um, so... It, even if you're, if you get the diagnosis and you're concerned, there's a lot of stuff you can do in lifestyle, meaning weight-bearing exercises right. and stuff like that, that will help reverse it a bit. And then when we're treating it, we're not just looking at bone density, but we're also looking at your risk for fractures. Mm-hmm. And that's really our primary concern is, are you at risk of hip fractures, fractures in your spine, things like that? Because that, that's what really in the end, because otherwise people won't really feel that their bones aren't dense. They're not going to feel that. In rare cases with long-standing osteoporosis, some people will feel some pain um, sometimes. Um, sometimes you'll see the curvature change on the spine in some patients. But generally speaking, you don't have much pain associated with osteoporosis. You're told by a doctor uh, when they do your test that, you know, you seem to have a low bone density, um, at which point you implement lifestyle changes such as vitamin D, calcium, weight-bearing exercise, decreased alcohol decrease caffeine. So maybe you did all of that and it worked. Uh, yeah. It yeah. worked. Yeah, she doesn't worked. want to see me till <laughs> yeah. next summer. Yeah, so, so I'm happy perfect. about yeah, yeah, I'm perfect. happy about that. Uh, your questions for our trusted contributor at the Ontario <laughs> Pharmacists Association, Jaspreet Dollywell, till the top of the hour, 416-360-0740. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Marla in Toronto. Hi, Marla. You have a question or comment? Yes, uh, recently, uh, several weeks ago, suffered a uh, hip fracture. Uh, making a good recovery, I had a bone density test uh, done last week, which I haven't got the results back yet, but it certainly seems likely that I have osteoporosis. This is the second fracture in two years. So 
Uh, I'm going to be going on a bone building medication. I've already discussed it with my GP. I've done some research online and there are many different bone building medications out there. I've decided that I'd like to go with a prolia and wondered uh, if your pharmacist has an opinion on that. Uh, yeah, so you're you're choosing to go with prolia instead of the bisphosphonates, uh, meaning you're weekly. You're not going to go with the weekly, but you're just going to get the injection. Yeah, an injection twice a year. Yeah, um, I yeah, I mean certainly there's a place in therapy for all these medications, and um, which medication that you go with really depends on your your physician um, thoroughly looking at your assessment. And there's no one best option. Certainly, bisphosphonates are probably the go-to solution, um, go-to medication, let's just say for um, osteoporosis. But Prolia, definitely, I've seen lots of patients actually moving to Prolia more and more so. Yeah, Prolia seems to be, uh, well, from what I've read online, it's a a different class of bone-building medications than the bisphosphonates. And I just wondered if you had an opinion as to which you thought was more effective as far as preventing bone loss and building new bones. Um, it's not really that we look at it that way, that which one is more effective. We say which one is more effective for you. Um, so you've already had two fractures. So the idea is that we want something to get in there and work pretty fast as well, right? So that's one of the things. This And also with um, Prolia and these types of medications, um, because it is an injection, um, you know, there are, I'm guessing you're getting coverage through the ministry to get the medication, uh, well, that hasn't been sorted okay. yet, but yeah. one way or the other, I'll get it. Yeah, so so the minist- like if the ministry was supporting it, then there are some specific criteria you have to meet um, before you can have access to the medication. But in any case, it, it really isn't, um, they're all very, very effective therapies. Um, and whether or not you're an ideal candidate for Prolia is really a decision that your doctor would have made um, and, you know, um, assessed your risk factors and assessed whether or not it's the best option for you. So I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Um, It's a step in the therapy. So when I would look at a uh, bisphosphonate patient or somebody who's taking like a Fosavance or something, for example, then Prolia would be an option for them as well. Okay, Marla? Yes, thanks very much. Okay, thanks Um, for calling in. Let's go to Betty in Mississauga. Hi, Betty. You're on with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Yes, good day. Thank you. Um, I'm calling because my husband and I are both on Prolia. We uh, have already had two injections each. We're coming up to our third. But my husband developed um, problems with his jaw, and I have with my hip. Um, And I did not know any of the side effects until I looked them up on the Internet. Okay. Uh, Now, would these side effects start after the second injection, or should it have started on the first? Um, okay, so in terms of the side effects with uh, Prolia, okay, so because it is, I'm gonna just, I'm just looking through the regular kinds of side effects that you may experience, and this is the thing with side effects. Everyone needs to kind of understand that a f- side effects are effects in the body. So. 
when you take any medication, it's going to have an effect on you, which is the positive effect that we want it to, and then the side effect, meaning that it's going to act in other parts of the body that we weren't really wanting it to, right? But those are all part of the package. And what I usually say to patients is that if the side effect is something that's out of the ordinary or really causing a change in quality of life and it just doesn't seem to be fitting, feeling right, then you go and you talk to your doctor, your pharmacist right away. Okay, because I was also, after I started my proleate needle, first one I was diagnosed with osteoarthritis in the hip and pelvic. Okay. But I haven't had any pain or flare-up until recently again. And, um, and is, your husband, is your husband having pain in his jaw? Yes, only when he's chewing. So oh, well, that's a lot. I him to see the dentist. Okay. Yeah, so I would say definitely follow up with your physician um, and your pharmacist to see if these are consistent. Um, I mean, it, they, there's definitely um, overlap. Like when I look at the list of side effects and the stuff that you've described, there would definitely be things that I could say, yeah, that could probably lead to the symptoms that you're having. So definitely speak to your pharmacist or your doctor about the side effects that you're experiencing right now. Okay, Betty? Thank you very much. Thank you for calling in. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're speaking with our trusted contributor at the Ontario Pharmacists Association, Jaspreet Dhaliwal, about osteoporosis or low bone mass. And we're getting some interesting questions from our listeners about uh, the types of medications that you take for osteoporosis. Uh, You were speaking about uh, prolia, Prolia, uh, which is an injection. Where are you injected and how does the medication get to your bones? So it's a a sub-Q injection that you get every six months. Uh, So it's administered into subcute muscle um, and the w- it, the way it works is it it kind of, it's a different type of medication than what we used to work with which were the bisphosphonates mm-hmm. and stuff and all of it kind of just helps increase the bone density in one way or the other I don't want to get too technical about the way it is but um, definitely I've seen a progression into more use of prolia um, the ministry does reimburse this medication for patients who are on ODB, um, except there are very specific criteria that need to be met. One of them being age. One of them having wanting them being a very a bad T score. So meaning that your that standard deviation that I was talking about that test that we do where we compare you to the community and see how bad how dense your bones are that has to be uh, less than two point five. Um, and then also if you've had a previous fracture. That is something that they'll consider as well. Whereas that wouldn't necessarily be the case with first-line medications, which are the bisphosphonates. And I know the previous caller mentioned um, some of the pains that they were getting and jaw pain and stuff, and certainly serious side effects like that. We do want them to go and see their physicians and talk to the pharmacists right away about those kinds of things with Prolia. Your calls are welcome, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Joanne in Mississauga. Hi, Joanne, you're up next. Hi, thank you. I just wanted to make a couple of comments and then ask a question. I was diagnosed with osteoporosis a good 10 years ago. I was on the pills, and then my family doctor put me on the injections for a year, 
and it was so bad I had a lot of bone pain that he referred me to the Toronto Western Osteoporosis Clinic. Okay. And at the, at the clinic, they discovered that my calcium level, now it's not the calcium level that you would get through a regular blood test. On the requisition, it's three letters, and I think it's P something. And my calcium level came back at 30. And from there, I was referred to another doctor, and it ended up being that I had to have pyrothyroid parathyroid parathyroid yeah. surgery. Since that surgery, and the calcium level has decreased almost to normal, I have no pain, I have no symptoms, I'm absolutely comfortable. And my question is that when I did my research before the surgery, it did say that osteoporosis can be caused by high calcium. Uh, so yes. If, if that's the case, why when someone is diagnosed with osteoporosis, because it is just a simple blood test that would indicate that and then you could pursue it you know, further, but I suffered for over 10 years and after one surgery that I've got no pain and I'm on my way to what I would refer to as recovery. Okay. Well, so uh, I guess because your parathyroid hormone was, I'm guessing, elevated and that was causing the, the, so it was a balance of the calcium and the phosphorus levels in the blood. So that's what really is imbalanced with that condition. When we're talking about um, treatment in but with uh, osteoporosis and uh, um, calcium intake, we're not talking about the same type of thing. So remember how I said that you can have other reasons for causes for osteoporosis, right? Um, and unfortunately, in this case, maybe in your case, it was... So, so did they say it was osteoporosis at all? Did you suffer from osteoporosis at all? Or was it always in the end that you had parathyroid hormone issue? I was diagnosed with osteoporosis and I was on the pill for several years and then I was on the needle but because the bone pain was so severe that's when I was referred to the osteoporosis clinic at the Toronto Western okay and it was there that they discovered because when you research osteoporosis can be caused by high calcium. Yeah, so it can be, it's, it's, it's by the imbalance of different things in the body, right? So really it's what we're looking at is the, so if you think of your bones as an organ, right, which are constantly um, breaking down, reforming, breaking down, reforming, the balance of that bone density in your body is really going to be reflective of, you know, how well all the systems work to con- continue to keep that bone density there. So sometimes right. we might have lots of calcium in our body, but there's not actually being deposited properly into our bones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an issue that we need to consider, right, as well. So um, so you think if you think of your body, of your bones as an active organ that's constantly changing, um, that's what, it also explains why estrogen is so important because estrogen helps with the resorption of calcium into the bones. So once that goes away, we release it as an organ, as the bone is an organ. It can, continues to release the calcium, but there's nothing to help resorb it into the bones again. Uh, talk about what uh, Joanne was referencing there with high doses of calcium cause osteoporosis. Um, so, I, I mean, Joanne, did you, was that you, the case with you? Um, 
originally, like I said, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. And I guess my concern is, is that when you're dealing with a family doctor yes. and yes. you have the signs and symptoms which they can immediately go to osteoporosis, and it seems to stop right there as to it being caused by something else. So, mm-hmm. for like, for the 10 years, that's what I kept getting treated for. And my concern is, is that if there is another cause, which in my case it was, right? Um, why? And it's only a simple blood yeah. test. It doesn't, it's not an invasive procedure, blood test. Why is that not a second route that a family doctor would automatically take to rule it out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent why um, the doctor didn't. And sometimes we you know you, doc, we will work by um, trying one medication and seeing if it's actually working. And I guess to con- to clear the confusion is that she, yes, she had a high level of calcium in the body, but that was because it was releasing it from the bones. Like she had an elevated uh-huh. amount of calcium in the body, but it wasn't getting into the the bones. That's the that's the problem. Is okay. you can have Calcium is good to intake when you need to increase bone density, but in in um, in this situation, it wasn't being resorbed into the into the bone. Okay, Joanne, thanks for your call. I got to get to some other calls here. I, I guess too, if you're feeling frustrated with your GP, yeah. you can ask to see an osteo doctor. Yes, you can. You can. You can ask for a referral, right. and you know, and, and often we know our bodies best, right? Right. So if something feels off and it feels like it's you know this medication just isn't working and there's something more going on, then definitely speak to your pharmacist or your doctor about that. Okay, a few minutes to go here. Let's go to Simone in Parkdale. You're with our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Hi, thank you. Hi, thanks. Um, Now, there are foods that are better for you, too, with regards to the bone building. And I heard that kale has a lot of vitamin K, which is supposed to be a good bone builder, and also probiotic yogurt, which increases the mineral bone density. So is that a good thing to do? Uh, so there's there's certainly lots of foods that you can mm-hmm. eat. Uh, yeah, leafy vegetables and stuff um, do contain calcium and whatnot. Uh, there's also, uh, and, and that's usually where we start too when we're treating um, these conditions is we say, you know, try and get as much as you possibly can from your diet versus having mm-hmm. to take the supplements, right? right. So, How about vitamin K tablets? Can you get vitamin K tablets? Uh, you yeah. So we don't recommend vitamin K tablets to take uh, just like that. Just for a lot of other problems that are associated with taking. Um, well, I mean, you guess you can. The thing is that with. The natural health products, and I did do some research to see whether uh-huh. or not there is any evidence to show, the data is completely kind of conflicted out there. What we do know is that if you get the minimum amount of calcium and vitamin D, D into your body, whether that be through a supplement or hopefully food, and you take the medications, then that can help prevent fractures for uh, sure. Cheese and things like that. Exactly. I heard that the pills, uh, the uh, calcium pills, sometimes it doesn't always absorb yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so it's better to get it from food like cheese, milk, and uh, yogurt, things like that, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Milk, cheese. There's lots of fortified foods like orange juice, lots of foods out there yeah, that you can I, eat. You can... Yeah. I can't eat kale every day. So that's why I was told <laughs> to get some vitamin K from <laughs> pills. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say um, use vitamin K as the be all and end all mm-hmm. in helping to treat uh, this condition or any other condition necessarily um, mm-hmm. because there's just not enough support with the, with the natural health products at this point. And there are other forms of calcium too in food. I mean, uh, sardines and yes. even broccoli, salmon, right? 
Yeah, tons and tons of. If you just you just do a quick Google search to see um, what kinds of foods are out there, you'll be surprised. I my my son actually had a milk protein allergy when he was younger. I couldn't give him any dairy whatsoever to get his calcium. Yeah. It was just vegetables and whatnot all day long. So. Right. We we're completely able to get him enough calcium. So. Lisa in Toronto, you're our final caller here today. Your comment or question? It's a question, but you, uh, your guest has basically answered it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to um, estrogen. Okay. Um, this, my mother passed away of bone marrow cancer, and I'm a lightweight, and I've been on estrogen for since I was 22. Okay. And I'm. And I had um, bone injury moves, but then all of a sudden I'm got. They say it's calcium buildup on the top of my foot. Okay, very quickly here, Lisa. We're okay. almost out of time. Um, I'm just asking, wondering if the estrogen um, a, a source of calcium, or I don't know, I'm probably saying it all wrong. A source of calcium buildup. Like I heard you mentioning it. Just oh, can you my- can you have too much estrogen in your body? Yeah. So I mean, so, so there are. Okay. So. When it comes to hormone replacement therapy and estrogen and stuff, so there's a, that. That's a whole different discussion um, in terms of its effectiveness and whatnot. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.